Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Transformation Gold Podcast. I'm your coach and your hostess, Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. Figachick911, with a very special podcast to you, one that I'm dedicating to my younger cousin, Danny. We call him Danny Boy, Danny Boy to Philly. And Danny Boy, what an interesting guy. Um, younger than me, but filled with a lot of wisdom because he had uh, actually a very long-standing history with drugs and had been in and out of rehab facilities. And one of the last times he came through a rehab facility, he was actually um, out of state, I believe in Colorado, completed his his inpatient, um, you know, admissions program there, and then ultimately began to work at that facility. And I remember, this was a couple Christmases ago, um, he came home and we were talking about the topic of completion and why it is so incredibly important that whenever you commit to a goal, especially something where you like you have to be actively in this process the importance of completion rather than finding something too hard and taking you know the easy way out or just you know hands off the wheel and letting the thing kind of travel on its own track it's the importance of completion and it's something that was really taught to him during his inpatient time at that rehab facility and then something that he then used as the teaching instrument to assist other individuals who were struggling with drugs on the importance of completion. And it completely dovetails into, I'd say, basically everything that our academy stands for and the importance of self-accountability and self initiation if you would like initiate initiation to take on a task or to do certain bits of work or show up on time and you know everything that goes into your own influencing yourself and the sad part of the story is that Danny actually regressed and he ended up coming back home after he was working in the facility and I don't I don't know any of like the the who's the what's the where's the why's he has a, a young son who lives out here and all of our family is based you know for the most part in our state and so he came back home and unfortunately started hanging around with the wrong crew the old crew the drug infested crew and I wish that this story had a better ending, but unfortunately, uh, Danny started using drugs again and actually died of an overdose. Uh, It's a couple months ago now. He died back in October. So we're preparing for memorial service for him, which will be taking place here in a couple days. And it's been a while since we've had a death on that side of our family. And things, things in our family, like it's, it's been kind of weird because there was a number of years where it seems like all that we had going on on, this is on my mom's side of the family, was just like count like deaths, like one after the other. And it was just like fast, furious and brutal. And I think when you get hit with that much, that frequent, you almost 
lose your ability to catch it. Like it takes the wind out of you and you just like, (laughs) it's like one after the other and there's really no downtime. But being that it's been such a long span of time since we've had a death on my mom's side and everybody is much older and at a different place in life and different places geographically, it's like an isolated death, if you would, and it, it, and probably too, because I'm a little bit older and wiser as well, it really shook my family. I don't want to say in a way that was unexpected, because it is expected, but I'll tell you the, the perspective of going through multiple deaths and tragedies, like one right after the other, as opposed to having one in isolation just how everybody processes and deals with stuff is completely different and even in this particular situation I'm not I would venture to say that it's not an unexpected event for Danny to have died because it was pretty everybody was solidly in the know not only did he move back here but he started hanging around the wrong crews and everybody knew that he had started to use again earlier this summer so on the one hand you know much like I think with a chronic illness if you would there's a little bit of advanced warning as to how the story is going to unfold but still when that ultimately happens It causes like a spin out of guilt and worry, obviously. Is there one more thing we could have done? You know, did we take our hands off the wheel? Should we been a little bit more aggressive with him? Should we have sent him, you know, done another intervention on him? Or, you know, what was, what else could we have done? And all of those things are completely normal. What happens is that when you have a highly emotional moment, it obviously causes you to lose your focus. And the things that obviously happened in my family, I've got a brother who lives very, very far out of state and uh, with my nephew and they're kind of out there by themselves. And, you know, I've got, you know, cousins who are here and my aunt is moving back and forth. Like there was, there was a lot of obviously emotionality involved with it. But here's the thing. And this is not meant as a discredit to my family in any way, shape, or form. But I'm, I'm the coach here. I'm a mindset coach. I am a champion mindset coach. And I'm here to tell you about how you stop the lack of focus and get your shit back together and put yourself back on the forward track. Okay? It's going to tie into what Danny always talked about, which was completion. Okay. Now when things happen out of left field, all right, or even when you kind of expect them and it just is a, is a tragic thing that happens, it causes, here's some, a little bit of physiology. This is what's going to help you. It causes your brain chemicals to go into like a spaz mode, if you would. And that's really what gives you that overwhelming feeling and, you know, your emotions are flying high and it, it's just, it's your brain chemicals percolating inside of your head. Okay, so what do you do? And this can happen if you have a loss of a job, if you have, you know, an explosive termination to some relationship, it's a divorce, it's a breakup, it's, you know, any sort of terrible bad news, this can happen to you. 
It's how fast do you get yourself back together and move forward. But do so in a way that you still are a human being and that you're allowing yourself to pass through the stages of grief. Like I think that's where a lot of things get tangled up is because it's very easy to snap into robot mode. But you are a person and you are a human. You're not a robot. And you have to allow yourself that time space to go through those natural processes of grieving. Okay, so that's that's a given. But what do you do? Where do you start when your mind begins racing? And now you're thinking about, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And, you know, I can't sleep right now. And my stomach is all jacked up. And here's what I'm going to tell you. This is why champion mindset coaching is so incredibly important is that there's going to be times when you do not have the luxury of having an emotional spin out. Okay? And part of this podcast is going to come across as very very harsh, but I want you to understand the the motive for my bringing this up on the call and and this podcast and Yes, the motive behind it. The motive behind it comes from a place of love. Now, I will be the first to tell you that more times than not, having personally been, like I groom leaders and I groom and teach people how to become stronger, that has been one of my God-given gifts. I don't, I, there's no other explanation for it and that's simply who I am in a good way and when it's you or when you're coming to me for that sort of mindset training, the words always come out very clear and very direct. And any mindset coach who is, is similar, okay, whether we're talking to somebody who deals with professional athletes, everybody has their own like flavor to, to the words that they bring. But at the end of the day, our job and our commitment to you is to deliver the message with clarity and with a controlled emotionality because somebody has to be the instructor and the coach for you on how to ground yourself so that obviously you'll keep yourself together, but as you acquire greater responsibility, whether this is on the personal or professional front. You've got a family that you're in charge of. You have a department that you're in charge from. You have, of, you have an organization that you're in charge of. Uh, you know, as you get older and as your skill sets expand, you naturally acquire more responsibility. And the more leadership role you have, the less margin you have for falling off the track. Does that make sense? So when we're speaking to you, if this is your first time on the podcast, welcome to you. <laughs> All right. Our goal is to shorten that time period in between idea and execution. And we, we filter in the different strategies and tactics to empower you to be able to champion your goals. And that includes moving forward despite what is a overwhelming life crisis sometimes you will have to step in and take over and sometimes 
you're just going to have to keep the program moving forward and I guess kind of like separate out in your brain your feelings from what has to happen in, in the in the immediate time and in the long time as well. But if you are an income earner for your household, you can't afford the emotional spin out, right? You still have to go to work. You still have to produce. You still have to do the things, show up on time and, and, and fulfill your work duties. And if you're not, then your responsibility is, if you have that luxury, is to seek some sort of a, a solace, if you will, if you have paid time off or something like that. But eventually you have to have that mental command in order to snap your stuff back on. Now, everybody does this differently. I know that there's, it seems to be that a lot of the guys that I coach, whenever they have something that is seriously emotionally charged and causes a lot of pain, most of the men that I coach somehow channel that pain and it pushes them to, towards completion and like finishing super, super strong. Whereas it seems like when I coach women, women are less likely, okay, not 100%, but less likely to use pain as the driving force to do like, like that's what they use as the energy, if you would. Does that make sense? So however this plays out in your head, your goal is for completion amidst the chaos of emotionality that you or the people who you're around are experiencing. Somebody has to be the leader. And this is a very, this is a high level skill. And I can't be sure for myself, I I can tell you for the most part, this is one that I've mastered and probably because of where I worked as a nurse, I would say, but even like way before then, it was something that it's just, it's something which is in me. And so if I'm kind of like stumbling over the words, what I'm really trying to do is list out, I guess, some of the things that you can go through in order to develop that stronger command of emotionality to be able to focus and finish strong. Oh, there we go. (laughs) So perhaps points of application are You know, when you're tending towards the holidays, right now we're in December, the holidays will be here in a couple weeks, and we notice that the velocity of life tends to pick up. There's a lot of commitments, there's a lot of errands which have to happen, especially if you have little ones, perhaps you've got in-laws who are visiting from out of town, and there's a lot of chaos and hubbub which is happening, and last minute things, and the kids forgot to turn in their permission slip for this, this, and this, and life gets crazy. You don't have the luxury of spazzing and flipping out, or you shouldn't. Do you know what I'm saying? It requires a higher version of you to put things in perspective and actually come to grips with the fact that, okay, perhaps there is an, there, there is an emergency at hand here, but I'm not dying, so it's not my emergency. I've got to be the peace pole. And when you're moving from those places of unbridled and uncontrolled emotionality, the position that you have to take is the position of the peace pole. I know that sounds kind of crazy. And 
It's drawing people into your peace rather than allowing yourself to be sucked into their chaos. What you will find is that highly emotional people, it becomes a habit for them. And I think a lot of very, very emotional people, okay, part of it's cultural, like I come from Italian family, so our family is very, very large, you know, and, and loud and boisterous. And in the past, I would say that a lot of things were quote unquote handled by whoever was the loudest. All right, but that's, that's honestly not how conflict or conflict resolution actually happens. What you'll notice is that typically, more times than not, the person who's the quietest is the person who's usually the leader. It's the person who's listening. It's the person who's going to respond, not react to a situation. But oftentimes what you will see is habits, habits where people obey the person who's loudest simply because they may be in a position which is, you know, appointed higher up on the hierarchy, whether it's a parent, whether it's a boss, a manager, somebody like that. Does that make sense? But when you have those habits of high emotionality, all habits can be broken all habits can be relearned and retrained because all habits are actually learned. How about that? Does that make sense? So you have to make the decision on, all right, I'm going to be moving forward with this. I know that habitually this person always reacts and they're going to start getting louder. Their hands are going to start flailing all over the place. There's going to be tears. There's going to be slamming of the doors or, you know, pounding of the fists on the table or whatever. And it it just becomes part of the cycle. And you've got to be the one to decide on whether or not you're going to feed into that or whether or not you are going to neutralize the, the situation and bring it to an abrupt halt. And when you can master that, that neutralization and bringing it to an abrupt halt, and then you actually, you claim your power then, you will, you will, do you know what it means to neutralize something? You know, if you have like an acid and you pour something of opposite pH on there, you'll neutralize. Does that make sense? I don't think I'm giving the right example, but neutral is neutral. Neutral is not acidic. It's not basic. Like it's right in the middle. You need to do something to combat and get rid of like the high degree of acidity or the high degree of alkalinity. It's the same thing with your conversations. And what will happen as you start to pay attention to patterns of people and patterns with people that you know but patterns with similar behavioral traits, even of people that you don't know. Over time and with practice, what will happen is that you're going to have more so of a, of a refusal to donate your energy to that environment. All right, so that's stopping number one, like nobody's gonna be you know, stealing or siphoning my energy. <laughs> And number two, making the decisions and the responses to the situation as you're the person that you aspire to be. 
So if you are seeking peace, and again, I mean, there's just the, the, the timeliness of this podcast and, and the content, you're moving into the holidays. They're not always that peaceful of a time, especially in families. I mean, am I right? <laughs> I can see some of my friends at the gym all the time. They're just like, oh my God, <laughs> how, how did these 300 days go by so fast again? Okay. <laughs> now, relationship reconciliation is something different. Okay. What I'm talking about is when the you-know-what hits the fan and everybody's emotions are flying high and nobody's able to focus, you have to be the one to make a decision on how you are going to choose to respond to the situation. You either choose, and that's a very intentional word, you either choose to contribute to the chaos or you choose to position yourself in a place of peace and power, period, end of story. The decision always has to come first. It's never, I will be peaceful once we have peace, or I will be focused once everybody else becomes focused. You will never, ever, ever be able to move, advance, or even stabilize yourself if you attempt to stabilize yourself behind unstable people people who are unstable emotionally, people who are just up and down, people who are inconsistent, people who don't follow through, and obviously people who don't complete. You will always be, it will always be like you, imagine this visual, it's like you being a tent that's super, super tight and you have three stakes hammered into the ground and then when you go to pull the fourth end of the tent and hammer it in, what happens is the other side of the tent pops up because it's too tight. Or if you have a bed sheet, same exact thing, you know those flipping fitted sheets that sometimes they're too tight and if you have the three corners on there, you go to pull the other corner on and the opposite corner pulls off because it's too tight. That's the visual that I want you to have when you're looking, when you are habitually rather positioning yourself behind unsteady people, people who change their expectations, people who drop the bar on you, people who half-ass commit and then they pull the floor from out from underneath you, people who dig at you, people who are, um, you can see this with passive aggressivity many times, you can see this with people whose loyalty switches based on opportunity like this gets into like hard and heavy stuff and it's up to you to be a very 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 strict triager of the individuals that you surround yourself with first and foremost and then secondly after that is how you choose to navigate and manage yourself and command yourself in the world because you're not going to be able to keep yourself locked up in a tiny bubble you're gonna have emotional experiences that happen. Life happens. People will just, you know, blow up for any number of reasons, completely, uh, seemingly unprovoked sometimes, but it's whether or not you choose to contribute to that and whether or not then you have the skill set to be able to exert the, the, the peaceful command and get command of the situation and become the anchor and the stabilizer for the other individuals who are just like flapping in the wind. Does that make sense? And as you become a stronger leader, this is what I can tell you for certain, 
is that people will come to rely on you for that strength of character, for your strength and command of emotionality, and you will be able to show them how to do it, even if you're not speaking with them. You have to lead by example first. Yes, there's times for compassion. Yes, there's times for sympathy. Yes, there's times for empathy. But as the leader, as a leader of a household, a leader of an organization, a leader of a team, you have a responsibility. And I know this first, just with all of my heart, is that God doesn't call the equipped. I believe that leadership is a God-given trait, if I haven't mentioned that before. So he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And you, when you look backwards over the course of your life, you are going to see pointed moments when you were in the shit. And you're going to have walked away with life lessons. Lessons on what to do and things, (laughs) don't do that again, right? That's where you get your wisdom from. But those times, those trials, those are what shape you. Those are what strengthen your character. So if you're going through one of those times and you're wondering, like, how am I ever going to get my stuff back together? I'm here to tell you with strength and command of character and emotionality, it's a decision. It's the same exact decision as it is. When you decide to move forth with any other goal. It's a decision. This is what I'm doing. This is what we're doing. And I know that that sounds harsh, but that I'm telling you, that also was a strength of my family, looking back retrospectively. But somebody had to be the one to have some hard conversations and say, this is what we're doing, to show the way. And that will inevitably become you, which can put you in some pretty interesting positions. (laughs) But it's something that your family and your friends and your organization will heavily, heavily, heavily come to rely on for you, from you. And it's a skill that I also believe is highly marketable. And it's a skill that becomes more rich and more mature as you go throughout your life and as you grow throughout your life. It's whether or not you choose to utilize it for good. All advanced life skills, I truly believe, start out in times of chaos and drama and pain. But that's how diamonds are made. Diamonds are made, if you think about the evolution of a diamond, a diamond starts out just as a piece of coal. I'm sure you've heard this before. So just like a piece of coal, something that no kid ever wants in their stocking, right? It's a sign that you are actually a really bad kid, (laughs) right? But what happens? What happens to the coal? The diamond becomes or comes from coal because the coal is it's in an environment where it's under huge amount of pressure huge amount of pressure and it causes a chemical change 
in the actual matter and it transforms it from this scrappy, dirty, nasty piece of lump of coal into a raw diamond. But then what happens? It doesn't stop there. The diamond gets found. It gets mined by a skilled miner. And then what happens? Then the miner takes it to a master craftsman. And then the master craftsman doesn't just say, oh, here's a nice little diamond. What does the master craftsman do? The master craftsman takes that diamond and freaking cuts it. That's a, you get the facets on the diamond. That's what makes it sparkle. It cuts it. He or she cuts it in the way that that stone needs to be cut in order to have the biggest amount of brilliance. Now, some diamonds still have flaws in them. I don't pretend to know all about like gemology, but I know that there's some that have, you know, like very, very small, you know, imperfections in them or whatnot. You can rate it, but you get the moral of the story is that the master craftsman cuts that gem, which I'm sure if you're the diamond, it can't feel very good, especially because diamond is one of the hardest substances known to man. So then the amount of pain that if a diamond had, you know, nerve endings on it, the amount of pain that the diamond would feel being cut is worse than the pressure. But the diamond is being refined. And that's what happens with you. As you grow and as you go along all of life's challenges and you're pushing yourself into what for you is your area of completion, whether this is your job, whether this is how you negotiate yourself in relationships, whether this, whatever it is, athleticism, anything, that beauty and that brilliance that is in you cannot come out until you go through the process of being taken from a very, very raw state being subjected to immense pressure, having your whole entire self basically changed into a rough stone and then cut and then finally polished where people appreciate you for your beauty. But it's not until you go through all those different stages and you get through completion that people start to recognize your brilliance and your beauty and your strength and your value. So wherever you are, and I would imagine if you're somewhere along the way, along the road towards goal attainment and you're in the middle of a storm, the pressure is high, you're being cut right now in the words of my cousin Danny, it's all about completion. It's about completion. And then once you complete, it's up to you to stay on your path. This is why we emphasize in our academy the importance of who you surround yourself with. Nobody, nobody. And this is not just, you know, a concept for anybody with an addiction. This has just, you become your social orbit, period. 
And once you do the work and you push through with completion, it's up to you to maintain that track. Every human being was given a free will and that's what separates us from anything else, right? So you have to know with your whole entire self that when you've committed to something and perhaps you're in charge of a group of people, it's your team, it's your organization, you will never be able to pull people up the mountain with you. You're not going to be able to control other people's decisions. You only have control and command over yourself. So you always extend to others a huge amount of grace, but be a very, very hard master to yourself. And you will find with repetition, just as it is with everything else, that If you are the one who has the tendency of being very, very, very emotional and having a lot of emotional liability and having that ability to position yourself and and regain your focus, that's not your strong area. You can train yourself to make it your strength. But what's that going to require? It's going to require you to do something different. Surround yourself with different people. Get the coaching. Get the training. Get what you need to position yourself to win. And then continue to practice it. Until it becomes part of your DNA. But the one thing that we know is that... And again, this is addiction aside. I'm talking about like habits here. The second a little bit of stress is added, you never default to your highest level of training. You default to your habits. And until your highest level of training becomes your habit, you'll default to what the previous other you know, negative habits are, which in this case may be emotional lability or inability to stabilize yourself or worry or panic or yell, or exert, uh, you know, like physical, you know, prowess and dominance. That's simply, it's a, it's a praxis. It's the same thing how we train athletes in the gym. You teach them a new exercise, you correct their form with squat, with bench, with, with anything, with, you know, how to like explosivity, you know, how to like pivot, anything. And they do it when it's fine and it's slow. And the second you add speed, which is a form of stress or competition, what happens? They default back to their previous, you know, way that they do that they perform the movement. Unless they're like, like really, really high athletes. And then all of a sudden they absorb that as, as, you know, their new normal and they move forward. They're, They're quick adapters. Not everybody is like that. 
So when you're finding that you default back to your previous habits, that's the signal for you that something has to change. Perhaps it's positioning yourself around other individuals who have mastered the skill that you are looking to master. We call this closing the gap, right? The gap between who you are and who you want to be or where you are and where you want to be. You close that. So you're not in the position of, well, once I have peace, once I have calmness, then I will be peaceful. It always starts with the decision. You have to first make the decision and the commitment to be peaceful, to be in command of your emotionality, and then do the stuff that it takes to have it, and you will have it. It's be, do, have, not have, do, and then one day I will be. Does that make sense? That's going to be a coaching concept that you hear from us over and over and over again. It's having the, cor- the correct order of your expectations. You have to become it first, and that always starts in your brain. And that's the importance of mindset coaching, champion mindset coaching. Champion mindset says, I complete it. I'm a finisher. Right? Remember, the key coaching concepts is that the two strongest words in the English language are the words I am. And everything that you put after those two words creates your reality. I am a finisher. There's your affirmation. There's the thing that you need to be repeating. There's the concept that you start programming your subconscious mind. You keep dripping it on you. You read it morning and night. You say it over and over to yourself. It actually starts to program your subconscious mind into believing that you are a finisher, even if you have never finished anything in your life except for like brushing your teeth and, you know, a piece of pizza. We never know what she's going to say. I know I don't either. (laughs) All right. So go back to some of our earlier podcasts. You know, I invite you to go back there and, you know, we talk about champion mindset, you know, the power of your words, your words create your reality. The coaching concepts are there. And if there's anything that we can do, to serve you, your team, your organization when it comes to commanding your emotionality, setting high goals, high targets and projections for yourself and becoming the individual who does the stuff to get the end results. That's what we do. That's what we specialize in. You can contact us by going directly to our website, which is transformationgold.org. The contact us tab is in the upper right-hand corner of that website. Nope, still ain't fancy. (laughs) Making some additions to the fitness website and to some of the offerings over there before the end of the year. And then, then we'll come back full circle and we'll make beautiful, you know, the Transformation Gold site. But that's the right place. All right. So with this, we're getting ready to close this podcast out. I do ask you to keep my family in your prayers. 
and yours will be in ours. And remember, Champion Mindset says, I'm a finisher. Make it a great night, everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.